one of the incredibly successful treatments is if it's appropriate is a rewind um, on previous loss previous trauma previous treatment trauma I've had some unbelievably good outcomes from that it changes women's ability to be able to go on with treatment when they're not carrying all of the grief from previous losses and treatments and for some women that can be many and welcome to another HG podcast. I'm Jo Baker and I'm part of the HG team and today I'm going to be talking to Sarah Denning about supporting people through fertility treatment. Sarah is an HG therapist and qualified as a midwife in 2001 and as a birth trauma therapist in 2018 and has worked both in the NHS and private practice for the last 20 years. More recently Sarah's career has taken her into fertility nursing in an IV clinic where she now works solely as an IVF counsellor. Fertility problems can be so distressing for anyone who wants a child. It comes as a complete shock, completely changing their perception of themselves and also of their imagined future selves as parents. Patients can really struggle with their emotions and a sense of loss, as well as the intense anxiety about the treatment process. Recognising the need for additional support, Sarah set up an emotional wellbeing clinic to complement the counselling service that they already had, where they provide patients with much needed support and guidance. Hi, Sarah. How are you? Hi, I'm good. Thanks, Jo. Thank you so much for joining us today. And we're, we're absolutely delighted to have you here and, you know, really explore the amazing work that you're doing. And I know that it's, it's developed quite a lot since we, we last spoke. Perhaps you can start by telling us a little bit more about your experience and the role that you're in currently. Yeah, my, my job now, having moved out of fertility nursing, is to help people explore their emotions there's there's two arms to it really there's the supportive counseling for people that are struggling with anxiety but there's also a huge need for people that are considering using donor sperm or donor eggs donor embryos or using a surrogate to have a child Um, it's called implications counseling and that's to help them explore their feelings around what it will feel like to have a donor conception and not only what it will feel like, but far into the future, what things might be like for that child and how they would explore those feelings with them um, and what they might want to know. And it's a really big departure from the sort of expected pathway that they thought their life would go on for, for about using donor eggs or sperm or a surrogate for achieving a pregnancy because we have a, an expectation that you grow up and it's it's not one in the forefront of your mind when you're young, but expecting that one day, if you feel like it, when you feel like it, that you will have a family just like people do, because that's what you've, you've seen as you've been growing up. Mm. And then when that doesn't happen, um, first of all, you've got the shock of changing that pathway from, from that to needing IVF. And then further to that, some people have to make another adjustment, a huge adjustment to not using their own eggs or their own sperm Mm. or having to find someone else to carry a baby for them. There's a a huge amount of sadness and anxiety and worry and the anxiety not only about how to have a child, how to achieve having a family, but there's also for women, there's also the time element as well is that they're very, very conscious 
that time is going on um, and their fertility is declining. Mm. Mm. So what sort of support is available for people who are experiencing fertility problems? Well, there's quite a lot, actually. Every, every clinic should have a fertility counsellor who's, who's available to give support. And I belong to the British Infertility Counselling Association, and that's something that you need to become an accredited member of, something I'm working towards at the moment, because that's a very specialist area. Um, yeah. And it's looking at, looking at that. So there's, there's, it's called Beaker. So there's Beaker, and there's, uh, there should be a counsellor in every clinic, and every patient should have the availability of seeing a counsellor. And for people that are considering using donor gametes or surrogacy, it's very, very necessary that they have some time with the counsellor. So that should be available in every IVF clinic. And it doesn't have to, it's not mandatory that they, they have it, um, but it must be offered. Okay. And is this something that, you know, is this that, that do they need to pay extra for this or is this just something that... Is that, that varies from clinic to clinic. Most clinics um, will have some sessions included with treatment some clinics will have um, unlimited access to the counsellor and in some clinics you will have a set number of sessions that are available to you. So in the work that you're doing how do you help how do you support the people that come to you? Well it's been really interesting I mean it's been a, a learning a learning curve for me as well and apart from the traditional sort of supportive counselling to talking about how they feel the human givens element of it has been such a massive part of it for me because it's helping I think one of the biggest things that that you can help people with going through IVF because you can't say to them you know I'm going to help you deal with this and then it's going to be fine because you don't know if it's ever going to work you don't know if they're ever going to have a child from it so it's an ongoing situation but reframing is a huge that that part of helping them to see what could be better and taking anything out of that and building resilience actually is really really important is helping them to be resilient for ongoing treatment but the human givens part of it that's really been astonishing I think in this treatment is when people have trauma from past treatments from pregnancy losses that's a really big part actually the pregnancy losses and and I don't know why but some people seem to feel that there is a a point at which it's okay to say you've suffered a pregnancy loss but if you talk to anyone that's had IVF they have their treatment and then they have to wait two weeks to find out if it's worked and in that two weeks and actually all through their treatment you, you know how fast the brain works you know the brain can can go through a lifetime in seconds you know it's really really quick and in in that, those two weeks every day and all through the treatment every day and all through the years before they had their treatment they have lived a life for a child in their minds mm-hmm. and themselves within that life as a parent and it's the loss of that that is the loss Um, if they get a negative test or if they get a positive test and then three days later it goes negative or if they get a positive test and then when they come back for a scan two or three weeks later there's no heartbeat you know that that is real grief Mm. and actually being able to explain to them and acknowledge that loss as a real loss 
can be very, very helpful to a lot of women and, and men as well, mothers and fathers. And sometimes it's the first time anyone's acknowledged that it is actually a loss and it's grief that they have. And I think that's so important, you know, that you, you're talking not just about the, the parent that is carrying the child, but also the other parent involved as well. So the support is there for both. Yeah, it is. I mean, you do, there are not enough men come forward for support. And, you know, they have just as many emotions. Um, they want to be fathers just as much as when they want to be mothers. Um, and it's, it's acknowledging how they feel too that's really important. Um, and they are beginning to come. Um, I have seen um, a few fathers now who have carried all of their grief and not shown it to anybody because they felt they needed to be the strong one. Um, mm. But do you know, Joe, one of the one of the incredibly successful treatments is, if it's appropriate, is a rewind um, yeah. on previous loss, yeah. previous trauma, previous treatment trauma. I've had some unbelievably good outcomes from that it's it's it changes women's ability to be able to go on with treatment when they're not carrying all of the grief from previous losses and treatments and for some women that can be many mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so you're able to work with them do how many sessions would you would you get so you, you could do a rewind and then like um, I guess a follow-up I have two sessions available to me yeah, incredible, absolutely incredible. You talked about reframing people's experience. And, you know, as we know, when we're working with reframe, we've got to tread so carefully and be so sensitive with that. So just, you know, as a mum, thinking about, you know, having the experience of, of loss or of, of not being able to have a child, how would you, how can you reframe that? It is hard. Um, and you do feel like you're sifting through to try and find those points for reframe. But even if it's something really, really small, like how well someone has dealt with the treatment that they've had and the, the tenacity they've had in the face of mm. failure to go back and try again, it's looking at the strength of character. Even if it's a very small thing, congratulating them, using congratulations and and helping them to see how strong they have been coming mm. up to that point. It's finding something that you can do that with can, can often actually have a really good effect. You, you, can't, you can't change anything. And yes, you may be talking to a woman who's had five failed cycles or miscarriages, who is at rock bottom. But you can, if you can find a tiny thing that gives them a little bit bad um, and makes them feel a little bit better about themselves, and I guess That's I know you, you talked about, you, you shared with me uh, a while back some feedback that you'd had from the lady that you'd worked with. And I guess the expectation around traditional counselling, if you like, was that, you know, it, certainly in a, a session where we're talking about grief and we're talking about loss, you wouldn't expect to focus on, on anything positive, would you? And so maybe that's what's really setting these sessions apart is that finding those those positives and finding those things to hold on to, to yeah and I think a really yeah a really important part of that is in the information gathering yeah um, just finding out you know what what they do outside of IVF and what they're good at and their life achievements and things and it's 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 just making sure you get a really full picture um, yeah. so that you can find something 
and that's great to use in guided imagery is to use those qualities that they have to help them to to move forward with their treatment actually I, I spoke to a, um, I had some feedback from a patient recently who'd had goodness me um, multiple multiple cycles and failed um, outcomes and all sorts of really difficult things to deal with in her um, throughout her IVF treatment and I saw her twice and she wrote back to me and said that she'd got more from two sessions um, of human given therapy than in four years of therapy. Wow. She'd seen a therapist twice a week for four years and she felt better after two sessions. And one of those was a rewind. Yeah. Rewind. Yeah. yeah. Hard for her. She was so courageous um, mm. to do that. Uh, but yeah. it really, really did help. So it's the importance of that, you know, just look, we're looking at rigor, aren't we? So, you know, the rapport yeah. you build with your, your, your clients, um, the information that you, you gather and you understand. So yeah. really, you know, listening and, and listening to what's not being said as really well. Really listening, yeah. Really accessing all of their resources as well. So that, yeah. And then understanding, you know, what, what is their goal? Because yeah. their goal was originally to have a child and that might have changed now. Do you know, I never asked them that question because it, it seems like a very fatuous question to ask someone who's having IVF. So I never put it like that. I try and sort of introduce it um, when we're chatting as if you could feel better or something like that. But I never use the word goal because, you know, the goal and I think, you know, that, I mean, that's the beauty of, of, of it, isn't it? That you've got the flexibility to, yeah. and I think probably not something that I use that often either, to be honest, the yeah. word goal, but just what, you know, if, if everything, you know, you may be using an example like the miracle question or something, yeah. you know, what could that future look like? Yeah. 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 You have to be really careful yeah. of the words that you choose when, when you're trying to get the answer to or find something that you could use to help them. Because I think the language of IVF treatment, there's a lot of words that are either, either trigger them or they're words that just don't help them. You know, they've heard the same things over and over again from everybody, sometimes well-meaning, sometimes thoughtless, you know, just relax. It will happen. Um, you've got time. My friend did this and they got pregnant and you know, my friend's friend did such and such. And, you know, they've heard these things over and over and over again. There's a lot of sadness and a lot of anger, um, actually, when they people keep telling them these things. It's a very niche sort of, it's more well known now, but IVF is something that you kind of, it's one of those things you don't really think about unless you have to engage with it. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people don't know much about it or they think it's just very successful oh, just have IVF, um, because they have heard more about it. And as far as they can tell, it just kind of works, doesn't it, From in their opinion? And, and that's very difficult for them as well. Mm. So something about, you know, understanding and helping to manage people's expectations. It's very hard to do that, actually. Yeah. And, and quite a lot of patients don't want to share that with anyone. They don't tell anyone they're having IVF. Mm. Um, it's very isolating and we talk uh, patients of, of my patients and I about how isolating that feels and how if 
you're constantly getting little needles, you know, little tiny knives of comments and it's just constant. You go outside and there's masses of you notice every single pregnant woman in, in the vicinity and there are children everywhere. And because of the age group that you're in, your peer group, a lot of them have children already, one or maybe two, maybe more. And every time you go to a social event, everybody talks about their kids, right, all the time. And if it's somebody you don't know um, and you've gone to a social event because of the age that you are, they will say to you, you've got any kids? Yeah. And it's just endless and so sometimes they think to themselves well okay well I'm we're going to be going to this thing and do I want to can I be bothered can I cope today with all of those things happening to me again and sometimes they'll decide you know I'm just not going to go and so their life becomes smaller and smaller and smaller Mm -hmm. Um, and lonely and and that affects you know their emotional needs really it affects all sorts of yeah, I was just going to say, you know, we can go down the emotional needs audit, can't we, and pretty much tick. I, d- I do that with them, actually. Um, we do a lot of psychoeducation, hugely important to help them understand how the brain works. And it's not them, you know, that's actually their brain is working in a fairly healthy way. Um, it's because of the situation they're in, but their emotional needs are really, really important. So we do, ex- we do talk about the lack of volition, yeah. the lack of control the lack of privacy, because fertility should be something that is very private matter between you you and if you have one, your partner, Mm. and nobody else. And you've had to lay out on the table over and over and over again for healthcare professionals, for people like me, counsellors, you know, and, and it's an intentionally private, should be an intentionally private event that's become a clinical situation. And so there's lack of privacy, lack of volition, lack of connection with your social group yes it changes IVF patients talk to me a lot and a huge amount about how their life has changed down to what they eat you know a lot of them are like well I'm not drinking anymore I'm, I'm trying to stay really healthy I'm taking supplements and they're pouring through the internet to try and find is there anything else I should be doing anything else is there any one thing that I could do because they blame themselves if it doesn't work they think maybe I should have maybe I should have maybe I should have what if I'd done this what if I'd done that yeah just so much so much there isn't there you talked as well about building resilience in in your clients what does that look like how do you do that well the psychoeducation is a really important building block for that is explaining why your brain the relief when you explain to them how your emotional brain and your rational brain work or don't work together. It's like, oh, you know, that it's a real light bulb moment. And then when you've done that, and I use um, everybody, 7-Eleven breathing is giving coping tools, actually. And the aware technique, I, I use that a lot as well because they're really solid present things. And in a situation where you feel you have so little control, that's giving them something that gives them back some control and that understanding. So that builds resilience, I think. And we talk about we talk about all the triggers. We talk about what we were talking about just now, um, about all the times that you get bombarded with uh, people asking you things. And sometimes somebody's due to go to an event or and they're really anxious about that. And I don't want to go because it's just going to be horrible and I'm going to get really upset. And 
we talk through that and if it's something that they would quite like to go to but they're a bit scared to go to we talk through um, how they could manage comments like got your kids or come on when are you two going to get going or things like that we talk about how would you like to respond to that and what do you what do you think how do you think you could respond to that in a way that you can manage that situation so you have more control and then we'll use that I'll do a guided imagery and they'll go through going to that event using those um, terms and other tools that they can use and that's really helpful as well on a day-to-day basis not just for going to things but at work and yeah yeah so they've got that that mental rehearsal haven't they already making it much more likely that they're going to be able to to you know draw on those tools pull those tools out of their toolkit if you like when they need to use them in the in the life situations yeah yeah amazing and so you know you've, you've talked about the aware technique for for anxiety and and also about using rewind for you know de-traumatizing either previous rounds or loss etc and also the use of psychoeducation as well and you know it really seems that you you said that the the human givens approach has just given you so much more to be able to work with when you're working with these these clients and as you're working with unknown outcomes as you said you know you've got to be so careful because you don't know what the outcome of somebody's journey is going to be. How do you work to build hope in situations like that? That's a tricky one. It's a tricky one to build hope. But having treatment itself is building hope because that treatment could work. And there is quite a lot of fear around doing it again because they will have to cope with the potential further loss And it's talking about, well, if, you know, you could choose not to have another treatment. You could choose that to protect yourself or because you've just had enough. You could choose that. But then you know it won't work. Okay, then you know you won't work. And if you're having another treatment, there is hope. And we just talk about, you know, it's it's basic things about, you know, the statistics around. And they'll all have read the statistics around the success rates and things in different age groups. And sometimes with IVF, it it is a matter of just the number of times that you try and your likelihood of success. Um, So it's it's just around that, really. I mean, it's 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 a hard one in IVF Mm. because hope is something they've had a lot of and they don't dare allow themselves to have because the fall is so deep and so long. And so it's such a fall from such a high place if you allow the hope and then you get another negative um it's a long way to fall and most of them will have been through that two or three times already so they don't they tightly control their hope yeah and if you're working with somebody you said to me that you know you have different arms if you like of the work that you do um Mm. you talked about the implications counseling as as well as the counseling for people who are are using their own sperm and and eggs when you're working with somebody for whom the end of that that journey has been reached how do you work in that way how do how do those conversations go well that's something that I mean as you know is is a really long process because that is loss and that is really deep grief and again that's changing their feeling about who they are as a person and what they expected their life to go like and that is a 
that's an ongoing thing and, and I don't have enough time to go through that with them and people men and women that I've talked to are in a deep state of grief when they come to the end mm. of that and it's quite a difficult I think we talk about grief and what grief is and that um, again there's this expectation sometimes that grief is allowed to last for so long and it has to be something that other people can see as a visible thing the you know a physical loss of something when the loss may just be of their hopes of being a parent that's that's it and it's a huge loss but it's not visible to other people and quite often they'll say oh I you know I shouldn't I should be feeling better than this and I should I should just pull myself together and I should they use the word I should mm. a lot and that's a that's a discussion about grief, really, that grief doesn't have a beginning and an end, and it's a process, and it takes as long as it takes for the person that's going through it. But I do recommend that if I, if I can't see them anymore, then they need, to have, they need to have more help than I have the time to give them. Mm. Yeah. yeah, so that's what I was going to say. Is there, is there ongoing support available for patients? Well, yes and no. I would I recommend that they go on to grief counselling yeah and uh, their GP can generally refer them to that but it's it's sort of it's something that I would like to say I think you definitely need more than two sessions for that. I mean grief is is a really big thing and there may be points that people that people need help at this point and then they're okay and then they need a bit more help further on to process that's something fine. else and yeah. that's that's sort of out with what I, my capabilities really within the clinic that I work in it's it's a beginning point really mm. and I think just listening to you listening to you talk and using phrases that people just use every single day without without even thinking just being more aware I guess that we can't possibly know what journey people are on oh, we um, and we just make so many assumptions don't we you know you've been married for so long or you know you've been together for so long you know when you're gonna have children etc and you know actually it's not our business to ask that and it's not perhaps you know we you know we could all do with thinking about you know being more aware that we can't possibly know what journey people are on what sorts of things can families and friends do to to help and support and is there anything that we should just completely stay away from in terms of to, to answer the, the first thing you talked about is yes if I could remove the phrase have you got any kids from anyone who ever meets one it's a, it's a social opening gambit you know it's it's oh hi you know my name is talk for a bit oh you've got any kids you know if people have got children they'll be very quick to tell you so you don't ever need to ask them you know they will always introduce that and it would be great if they were if everyone was aware of that it's just don't ask don't ask anyone. It's not being rude. It's being it's being thoughtful. Yeah. Just in case. They'll tell you if they have. They'll bring it into the conversation. My son, my yeah. daughter. Yes. Always. We all do it, don't we, all the time? But you don't need to ask that question. And friends and family, it's really important, A, that they understand. And it shouldn't be up to the person who's having IVF to have to tell everyone how to be around them. Mm. Um, but it is difficult when you don't know anything about IVF and all the things that we we use as we think quite helpful expressions we think we're being supportive like oh don't worry or just relax or you know it will happen those are things that are not helpful to say 
because you don't know if it will happen. And, you know, nobody has ever responded to someone telling them to just relax by saying, I didn't know that was what I had to do. I'll do that now. It's, but people don't know what else to say. It's a bit like when, when you have a, a bereavement in this country, we're so unused to, it's a very uncomfortable area. Um, and so people tend not to know what to say about it or say something that they don't mean it to, but it kind of shuts the conversation down um, yeah. because they feel uncomfortable with it. So friends and family, what can they do? Learn, educate yourselves, have a look on forums, find out what, what people going through IVF would rather you didn't say. Acknowledge that it's really hard for them, but don't try and fix it. Don't try and offer a solution. Just saying it's really awful. You're, I'm so sorry you're going through that. that. That's good enough. Yeah. I'm so sorry. That's not giving a judgment or offering advice or or anything else. Don't try and fix it. Sorry. Yeah. It's just being there. Just yeah. knowing that you're there if if somebody does want to talk to you. Yeah. Yeah. It needs a much wider spreading of that message, actually, too, because there's a, a lot of people have IVF. A lot of whether you're a single man, a single woman, or a couple, same sex or heterosexual, a lot of people have IVF now. And I'd, I'd love to disseminate that information more so that people are more aware of it. It's such a painful thing to go through. Um, and it's not something that has an end, you know, unless you are, you know, until you have that child. It's, it's, a, it's a really intrusive, invasive, emotional draining financially emotionally in a relationship sense it puts enormous stress on relationships as well human givens using human givens is fantastic infertility invaluable really because if you think of the number of times that if you're having counseling traditional counseling that you have to talk over what's happened to you and if all that's doing is reinforcing that pattern it's, it's making you live it again and over and over again sometimes that's the worst thing that you can do I've, I've had people come in in dread to their counseling session dreading that they're going to have to talk about it again and when I tell them you don't have to talk about it you don't have to tell me what happened unless you want to I want you to tell me how you felt about what happened to you yeah um, and the relief. Well, a, I was going to say that must come as such a huge relief. Huge relief. You can see it. You can see their shoulders relax. I say, it's okay. You, we don't need to talk about that. Yeah. Let's just, just tell me how you feel about it. And let's just find a way to make you feel better and make you feel more resilient to go forward. Let's do that. And they're just like, yes, please. Yeah. It's a real revelation for the patients. I mean, I, I can't tell you um, the number of comments that I've had back and feedback. I didn't know I could feel better like this. I did, I've never had treatment like this before. Um, I've been seeing somebody for ages and how, you know, it feels like a miracle. And I'd be very wary of using the word miracle because it's not a miracle. It's based on, you know, sound evidence. Yes. Um, and I do say it's not a miracle. It's... It's just helping your brain to work in a slightly different and better way for you and allowing you to let go of all the things that have happened to you before so you can move forward in a better place. Mm. It's heartbreaking. And I guess that is the, the whole point, isn't it, of, of the work that you're doing. It's from wherever they are now, moving forwards into the future as it will yeah. be. Yeah. yeah. 
uh, whatever shape that may take. Yeah. 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 So if somebody was concerned about their own fertility, what advice would you give them? If someone was concerned about their own fertility is don't wait. You know, I think all too often women come into the clinic um, when they've been trying to either trying to get pregnant for quite a while or they thought, I'll do it a bit later. I'll do it a bit later and kind of not thought about it because they don't want to because their lives are so busy and they haven't had time to think about it. Or sadly, they feel, well, there's loads of treatment you can have now, so we'll just wait and then I'll just have IVF later. But it's age is a really, really important factor with women um, because egg, egg quality and quantity declines. And if you're 35 and you're still thinking about it, you ought to go, go and get an assessment. Right. So even if you're not ready to have a baby at that point, just beginning to start that process so the eggs can be harvested as early on as possible. Yeah, egg freezing. Yeah. And if you're at a stage in your life where it's absolutely not, you're just not in that place, don't think I'll be in that place in two years or three years' time. I'll do it then because you might not be able to then. That's really, really helpful advice. Thank you, Sarah. We've covered so much today, and I think this is a, there's so much more that we could talk about, but yeah. we're yeah. coming to the end of time now. Is there anything else that you'd like to, to add to what we've already talked about today? No, I mean, I think one of the uh, projects I've got on the go at the moment is, is to try and um, create some kind of resource for friends and family to support, to be able to support someone going through IVF so that it enables that person to feel supported within their own family instead of feeling like they also have to cut themselves off from discussing IVF within their family because they're not sure if the reaction they're going to get. I would love to make some kind of video resource for friends and family just to say this is this is how to be and actually get some IVF patients on board in that video to say this is how you help me. Yes. This is how you please don't do this. Yes. Um, yeah. Because I think that would be to have that support and for people to know how to be around people that are having IVF would make their just make a little bit of that that particular thing they're doing really, really much easier. It'd be hugely helpful because you know, as a uh, I've had friends who've who've gone through IVF and you just you want to say the right thing, you want to do the right thing. And sometimes you can end up doing nothing because you're too frightened of doing the wrong thing. You do. And, and that also can have implications for how that person feels because they can feel invisible then. It's like with a baby loss, if you've lost a child and that baby has died, people often don't talk about it because they're so scared of upsetting you and you can feel like it hasn't happened. Like the rest of the world feels like it hasn't happened because nobody talks about it. And that's something that, you know, we need to we need to learn a language of how to talk to people that have had baby pregnancy loss and are going through IVF is to be supportive for them in that situation. But we need to learn the words. Yes. Yeah. Well, that sounds like an amazing resource. Um, and please do you keep in touch with us and let us know when uh, when that's available. Um, we'd be really interested. I will. And I'd also just one last point. I think it would be, I'm working towards it, but I think disseminating the importance of the human givens approach in fertility counselling, it's really a big thing that needs to happen. Yes. And because I've seen from a personal point of view how massively helpful 
it is to men and women going through IVF. I mean, it is just huge. So how are you working to, to get the word out there? Well, I'm going to start with, I think we spoke earlier, I'm going to do a presentation to the um, doctors and nurses, the embryologists, the clinical staff in my hospital where I work to explain to them um, what it is that I do. I think I said to you earlier, they think I go off into some little room and do some weird stuff. It has been described as weird stuff. Um, <laughs> so I would love to educate them. I want them to really understand how this helps. Um, and then I think also going to the British Infertility Counselling Association, once I've got, you know, I'm going to have to do uh, collect lots of evidence and, and be able to show them some outcomes. They've got, it's got to be good stuff, but I would like to go to them as well and um, help them to see what human givens can do within fertility for men and women, because I think it's really important. Fantastic. Absolutely brilliant work, Sarah. Um, such powerful, powerful stuff. Thank you so much for taking the time from your really busy schedule. Um, <laughs> You're welcome. And I'm sure the information that you've shared will help so many people, you know, either people who are listening, who are on their own personal journey with it, or people who are supporting others on, on their journey and getting that that word out there so thank you so much yeah. thank you to our listeners as well if you've been affected by anything in today's episode or if you would like to find out more all the links and resources can be found in the podcast description until next time goodbye <laughs>